0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Yeah. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot.
1: Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 133 on L. U.S. Fiber. The game hotline is 706 0111 337 0111 on this Monday. Lots of college sports, anyway, that happened over the weekend for sure. And so we got lots to have impressions of. We're still kind of waiting and watching. And one of the speculation stories I read said that. Kind of suggests that we might be waiting till March before we know anything on Derek Carr. Just you know, it, it's just going to be. I, I'm just trying not to think about it because I just. I my my only goal is that somebody around here and listening over the weekend, it hit them that uh, quarterback is a leadership position. A leadership position. So many people just don't get that. A leadership position. I don't know. I look. The older I get, and it's been happening for years. And I think, I, in my mind, anyway, we saw some evidence over the, of it over the weekend. Just what happens in falls, and what happens in inter squad scrimmages. It just just I just don't put a lot of stock in it. I haven't in a in a while. Does it mean you, you, you don't have to do it? Of course you have to do it. You have to go through the process. But what happens in falls just it doesn't mean a whole lot. Um look, every the things that we saw this weekend from the Cajun softball team and the Cajun baseball team you have to take all of it with a grain of salt in that because someone did something good doesn't mean that's going to be the case three months from now you can't make a value and because they did something bad doesn't mean that that's the way it's going to be three months from now so you can't really make a value judge but now obviously the results are the results um Cajuns could have beat UCLA, ranked number two in the country, didn't happen. They could have beat Arkansas, ranked number four in the country, didn't happen. They could have beat Michigan, didn't happen. Now, you know, Oklahoma State, Um, they were really impressive in the tournament. They didn't come close to beating them, and they didn't come close to beating Florida State. I'm wondering at the end, they were just kind of worn out, I mean— you play that many games, but
2: and then you're also demoralized from the way the you game before ended, and you got to yeah. play 20 minutes later. Yeah,
1: yeah it's it's kind of that was a that was a rough game. I, you know, they all count, but I, you know, I just I don't know what the defensive answer is. I we raved last weekend and we we heard all January how impressive Victoria Valdez was and we raved after what we saw from her the first weekend but if you remember one of the things that we said about that first weekend that i did not like is that they struck out too many batters and we didn't they didn't get tested at all on defense and she didn't look good on defense and i'm not talking about the drop pop up i you know that wasn't good there's too many ball it's too many what I consider pass balls, balls that have got to be caught as a catcher. You gotta catch them. Um so I don't know. Again, it's 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 early season. It's um they played elite teams, four top seven teams. I mean, not just top twenty-five, they played four top seven teams. So And they competed with two of them until the last pitch. But, uh, you know, I don't know what the defensive answers are. I don't know that there are any defensive answers. Okay. That's, you know, I guess if and when Maya Davis comes back, they um, could just play Maddie at third. I don't know where Valdez fits into that. I I, I I just I understand Sophie Piscos is not a perfect defensive player, but she's just can move better I, and, and I, I just think you gotta have her energy on the field. I, I I don't know i I don't know that there is a perfect solution for the defensive issues which reared their ugly head uh over the weekend. On the baseball side, we talked about Coach George. Coach Deggs talked about it from the first time we interviewed him, every time we interviewed him. He talked about it all of last season. Freebies, freebies, freebies. I mean, it's unbelievable the amount of walks the Cajun pitching staff gave. So, again, when I hear in the fall so-and-so pounded the zone or so through means nothing it means nothing because you don't know pitching in the fall even against a great team like LSU and that has nothing to do with the regular season nothing I just just have never believed that well I'll say never after years of hearing that oh so-and-so did great in the fall and then seeing it I'm just like okay It's part of the process, but it's just – it doesn't mean anything to me. That's why I just can't put a lot of stock in all that stuff. Um, Walked way too many batters. You know, we talked about the thing – the big question with the pitching staff – with the baseball team is the pitching staff. I mean – not everybody pitched poorly, but pretty much everybody walked somebody. Pretty much everybody walked somebody or hit somebody. So, obviously, the pitching staff's got a lot of work to do. Uh, you know, Jackson nazu did not have a good performance. Um, McGee, he was good, okay, but he threw way too many pitches because he walked a million batters. Um. And Jake Hammond was okay, but again, none of the starters could go five. And that's not that unusual early in the year anyway. But a big reason why they did is they threw too many pitches. Again, all early in the season, I get all of it. Um, It doesn't mean that they're not going to be able to pitch well. None of this means anything other than the results. I get that. And so we'll just have to kind of wait and watch. But... What I took out of the weekend is, man, C.J. Willis had a great weekend. Um, And he's a guy that we we talked about it for a couple years. Everyone on the team loves. Great utility guy. And maybe he took a huge step to nailing down, at least for the foreseeable future, the first base position, which is fine. I mean, you want guys to say, okay, this is my position. Uh, Connor Higgs had a really good game. He didn't start when I kind of thought he might. Um, you know, a lot of guys had their moments offensively.
2: Yeah, I'll start there. I agree with a lot of your takeaways from the weekend. Yeah, I love it for C.J. Willis because also he's a guy, remember he was highly touted. He went to LSU. It didn't work out there. He came here. And honestly, like his first year here when he was kind of utility role, I I thought he was going to leave again because I thought he was a guy who showed that he probably could have been an everyday player elsewhere. But he stayed now. This will be his, what, third full season and. He's become a leader, and even though, again, last year he didn't play every day. I mean, he played a lot, but he certainly didn't play every day. But yeah, he was. I mean, look, yesterday had that big hit that looked maybe like it was going to be the game winner, Um, and then of course the pitching didn't work out, and you didn't win. You didn't even come close to winning that game. But my biggest concern, baseball wise, was probably the uh, the depth of the pitching rotation, which is what we had because Sunday you saw that it was the third game of the series they had pitched. They pitched okay on Friday night again. Like it was a, it was a good competitive baseball game, back and forth. Um, and then you pitched pretty well on Saturday. You got out of some jams, but Sunday you, you looked like a staff that was worn out. And you'd hope that's not the case the first weekend of the year. So I think we already had our concerns there, and I think you know we didn't do anything to really solidify that. I think Toit looked good as the closer, and that'll probably be his role. Um, he wasn't perfect though, like you mentioned. Nobody was like lights out dominant, so you know, usually they say, like, the bats can be ahead of the arms at this point in the season. Sometimes it's the other well, way around. I think but... it's
1: normally the pitching supposed to be ahead of the hitting at yeah, this Yeah, usually, year. especially when it's cold and stuff like that, but... I mean, I thought... not only, when, when CJ got the two-run single to tie the game, not only did the pitching give it up, but they didn't even make them put it in play the next inning. They, you walk two and you hit two, and, and all of a sudden they got the lead again. They didn't even have to bunt. I mean, they... Yeah, no, Tommy yeah. Ray, like,
2: look, I love Tommy Ray and uh, they've talked highly about him. He's gonna have to do so much for me to ever feel confident when he comes in the game because like I this is what I feel. Even when he comes out and, and the first batter, there's times where he comes in and he'll go one, two, three, strike out the first batter, and then it's like all of a sudden he'll throw one he'll spike one slider, and then it's like he loses it mentally, and he'll throw seven out of the next eight out of the zone. So like Tommy Ray's a guy who scares me, but you hopefully he can figure it out. A lot of guys, but I mean, yeah, it's really early. Again, I wasn't needing a sweep. You didn't need to sweep that team. Rice, look, they don't look like they're going to be great, but they're not going to be as bad as they were last year. I don't think it's really possible to be as bad as they were last year. So, you know, you won the series. You won a road series to start the season. Results-wise, I think you're fine with it. I am a little worried about the pitching. Softball, so it's tough because, so again, as far as how this is going to progress the team and how they're going to get better, I don't have any worries about that. They competed, they showed you they were right there. The game, I did expect them to get run ruled at least once in this tournament. I thought that was going to happen. When you're playing again, and they're not playing top 25 teams, they're playing top five teams. Like top, they're playing the best yeah. teams in the country. So I thought they'd get run ruled once. Oklahoma State was a great example
1: of it. And they played really well in the tournament. Oklahoma State.
2: Yeah, Oklahoma State looks like a top five team. UCLA yeah. looks like a top five team. Florida State looks like a top five team. The only maybe Arkansas is not, but they still look pretty good too. Man, and, and that... y- you were right there. So. The problem with I, that I have leaving that tournament is that you didn't get the one signature result that when you look back and you're trying to decide regional hosts that could have been like, well, they have that, that win against UCLA who's ranked in the top five. They didn't get any of those because Indiana, you know, again, they, they don't look like they're going to be a very good team, so you got the win against them, but that, that's not going to do a ton for you. So you just would have loved – I do think they're going to be fine. The defense is concerning. At least they got to work on it. Pitching-wise, I mean, I don't know. Nobody looked bad. Nobody was dominant. You know, Sam had a really good outing against UCLA. Some people will say that Glasgow pulled her early. I didn't have any problem with that. I thought it made sense to go to Shorman there at the end against UCLA. And, look, that's why they're top-five team. They come up with a clutch hit and tie the game. Now, you threw it away to let them score the game-winning run. So that's, again, concerning. So, again, my takeaway, I feel like playing-wise, they're fine, and they're going to continue to get better. But, man, you, you might look back on that if you don't end up hosting, if you're in the you know the 20s ranking-wise, and go, we didn't get any
1: of those look, signature wins. I, I, I get the hosting thing, but I don't want to do what Central Florida did. Like, like Central Florida hosted, but I think they were like a 16 seed. You don't want to host as a – I'd rather travel – in a in a regional that's 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 then to host as a 15 or 16 because you're not going to win at UCLA that's not happening that has no chance of happening so i understand that you want to host cuz it's been a while and i guess you say well you need to make you need to take baby steps and i think with every other program in the country I mean, in every other program at this university, I think that way, and I know it's look, the bottom line is this team hasn't gotten out of a regional since Coach Lote left. That's the facts and so so I understand maybe I ought to be worried about a regional first, but I still don't think that way with this program like yeah, but yeah yeah i I, I don't, I, don't I, I think it's important. To focus, and and I understand wanting to host a regional, but I only want to host if you're not 15 or 16. I don't want to host at 15 or 16. I'd rather travel. Yeah, I I,
2: I see what you're saying there. Now, I I will say one like kind of bright side to look at it is that you were right there with UCLA. Not to say, yeah, I don't like your chances in a three-game series at their place, but Oklahoma lost to Baylor this weekend. So Oklahoma, who's been the number 1 team and has been pretty untouchable for the last few years, We'll see. It's one game. But they're looking like maybe they're not going to be as dominant. They lost a lot of Cages those dominant play players. Cages played Baylor, too. Yep, and so you'll see there as well. But I, I so far, I watched a good bit of this tournament. I haven't seen the teams that I've seen in the past that just look unbeatable at the top. But yeah, ideally, you'll, you'll host and also be like a 13 or a 14, which is definitely possible. Now, the way the NCAA likes to treat quote-unquote mid-major programs like UL and UCF when they have great years is to throw the same thing they did in baseball with Texas State, hosted them, but threw them in the 16th slot. So, yeah, that that would be tough. But I still think you you want to, again, with traveling, I get that, but you ha- you've been traveling for five years now and you haven't been able to win those regionals. So
1: I agree. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, talk more to you, and again, open phone lines for two hours today.
0: This is Footnotes on the Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8 15 a.m. and 3 15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 337-706-0111. 706 If you would like to get in. Again, it is a normal Monday. Two hours um, of open phone lines. So if you would like to get in, talk about any of the subjects that we've discussed or things we haven't discussed yet, certainly feel free to do that again, 706-0111, 706-0111. We are now starting to sniff March. And so pretty soon, and we've mentioned this a few times but haven't really talked about it, pretty soon it's going to be Spring training, but this year's different because of the World Baseball Classic. I I love the World Baseball Classic. I know a lot of you love the Olympics. I hate the Olympics. I know a lot of you um, just love the World Cup. I don't hate the World Cup. I just don't have much interest in it because I don't know any of the teams. I mean, for the people who... Love and follow soccer all year, you know, year round, and and are soccer fans and you know the players. I get it. I mean, it's it's a big deal. I, I'm I'm just never been one that I can just oh I just oh I just like this. I'm I'm gonna make a big deal out of this, even though I don't know any of the players. I mean, I, I just I've never been able to do that. I'm like I don't even get the point of that. It's just fake to me. I fully do that. That's I mean, exactly it's just what fake I do. to me. But um, <laughs> I um. But the World Baseball Classic, I love. Now I understand, you know, a lot of other people don't. But I, I, I don't know all these players. But I know player. I know multiple players on every team. And some teams, some of these countries, you kind of know just about every player. And so, it's fascinating. It is, um, you know. There are a lot of teams. I think I saw a stat like the Cardinals have like 18 of their players. I Probably if I was a Cardinal fan, I might be a little leery of that. It's like, it's a lot of players. And I don't know, does it help you? I don't know if there's a small enough sample size to know what that's going to do for you. Uh, in terms of preparation for the actual season, does it, is it good Because you say, well, you're going to be in spring training anyway. But, yeah, it's such a different thing. I mean, this is almost like – this is like almost playoff intensity.
2: That's what I was about to say. I guess sometimes you have that where at the end of the regular season when you've already clinched maybe you have a bunch of games that aren't necessarily high intensity and then you ramp up with the playoffs. But this has got to be weird to come into this. I'm sure you're you're getting some live at-bats and stuff, but pretty much your first at-bats in a while are now like high-intensity, rivalry, passionate – Big crowds at a lot of these games at bats with all this adrenaline going. Yeah. Maybe you get to the championship round or whatever it is and you come off this huge thing and then you go to, you know, Panama City and play spring training games again. Like it's like, or wherever you're playing spring training games. So now you have to go all the way down and then you get back up to opening day and it's back, a, like in one month, you're going yeah, to high just weird. back down. Yeah.
1: So I don't, I don't uh, obviously you got to be extra careful. I mean, there's no question. That if you've ever seen it before, the players themselves are passionate about it. Once you get into the games, now, with that said, you you can't really approach the pitching the same way that you would approach it in the playoffs or the World Series. I, I just because these teams would you know they'll end up canceling it or you know that uh, over the week we we mentioned Nestor Cortez last week is no longer in it um Clayton Kershaw over the weekend said he's not doing it and so because of injury issues so if you have any questions you got to just pull out and so I don't know that I don't I don't I don't have any specific memories but I can't believe many starting pitchers go more than about four or five innings in these days
2: no and and I'm trying to remember back and I'll try and get this in the break but I almost remember I don't know if it's actually mandated or if it was just the teams doing it themselves. It's almost like little league baseball style like pitch like hard pitch count limits yes. to where you yeah this guy's got 85 pitches and there might actually be a rule in place in the tournament. I think there might be where it's it is like little league like this you cannot let a guy go past 85 which I guess is kind of to save some of these managers and players from themselves getting, you know, in the moment going I'm fine I'm going to keep going. But yeah, you're definitely going to notice that it's uh, you're yeah, you're certainly not going to get a guy going 115, 120 pitches trying to close out a game. Well, unless it's for maybe one of the smaller teams and it's not a guy who's playing in the big leagues, maybe he's going to, you know. Throw his arm out.
1: Or a psycho like Sandy El Contra. I mean, they, he's already come out and told his manager, don't come get me because I'm not leaving them out. Well, that's why I think
2: they might have the. I got to check I on mean, that if those rules are in place or if that was, uh, if it's just the teams that kind of put their own rules in place. But yeah, it's interesting.
1: That cat is old school. Like, he just likes to pitch. I mean, he's got, you know. I remember at the end of his career, Levon Hernandez had some of that. And there's not too many of those guys anymore. But this guy supposedly. Um, they were doing a report on the team, and, and I saw where he's already told the manager. I'm trying to – I don't even remember who the manager of that team is. But um, I think it was an ex-big leaguer, uh, uh, not a manager in the major leagues, but like a bench coach in the major leagues. And he, he already told him like, don't come get me because I'm not coming out the game. So, so I am
2: right. I don't know right. if he's going to
0: have a chance.
2: There is – there are pitch count rules like the Little League World Series. Right. So it's 65 pitches – max in the first round for a pitcher then in this quarterfinals it goes up to 80 and then in the semifinals and the finals 95 pitches is still the max and if uh and so it's same thing in little league if you hit that threshold within an at bat you can finish the at bat and you don't have to you know it's not like crossing over but if the pitcher throws 50 or more pitches they have to have four days rest if they throw 30 or more pitches they have to have one day rest and if they pitch on consecutive days then they have to have a day of rest at least even if it's below that the next day. So you've got full blown like Little League World Series style pitching limit rules here. So to save guys like Sandy Alcatara from themselves, yeah. you're gonna have those rules in place, which I think makes sense. Again, you don't want then you don't want this weird to of course it's different to, too It's not like, you know, the Miami Marlins have nothing to do with the team that their players are playing for. So then you don't want a situation where the GM's calling the, you know, the Dominican Republic team and saying, Get my guy out of the game right now. <laughs> so they put yeah. the rules in place and just say, Look, that's that's gonna be the rules.
1: So, um, and I'm sure the umpires know the rules, and so, you know, and I'm sure there are league officials that, or tournament officials at all these sites. I think it's in Chicago, is that correct? It seemed like they played in L.A. the last time. And there's
2: a, early on, there's a bunch of different areas. They go, like, kind of pod places, so different, uh, the different, like, regions, I think, are going to be in different places, and then they'll eventually come together as they get into the bracket. Um, and then they'll kind of – but the first games are on March 8th. Just checked on that. So
1: still got a ways to go. But March the 8th. But no, we're not – what are we, a week and a half away from March? Yeah. Or not – I mean, not even because February is not a long month. So, um, no, it'll be here. But I just I – just, i just, I'm kind of lo- – I mean, I love the World Baseball Classic. Now, mo- it seems like most of the Astro participants are pitchers. And so hopefully they, you know, continue to do the um the pitch count thing and and they and they don't have any issues. I I don't like I, I we haven't talked about it since you've been I am not a fan of arbitration. Uh arbitration is is a is a I mean, I don't see a whole lot of good that can come out of it. It's dangerous. And there's it's been fairly publicized that I don't know how Icky Icky is um Kyle Tucker. Uh I don't know how Icky lost his arbitration case. I mean that guy I mean how what do you have to do to win an arbitration case? Like I've always thought the concept's really
2: strange. So like you're in a you know, a synonym, a good relationship with your organization and now you're gonna go to court and your organization is basically gonna say, No, this guy's worse than you think he is. We shouldn't pay him as much and, <laughs> It's like an you, awful process. And I like, know it's probably up separated with, this? with, you know, it's separated with lawyers. It's not like the GMs and they're going, hey, this guy's yeah. terrible. But, it, yeah, it is it's a bad and It's still bad.
1: Uh, it, you, know, it, you know, we always say it's a business, but that really makes it a business. And so, I mean, Icky was one of the best players in, in the league last year. How does how does he lose an arbitration case?
2: I guess it's all back to like where he thought his numbers should have been and precedence of where those guys have been. But yeah, it's it's strange. It's a strange process.
1: Uh, I don't. I don't. Now, and it's not again. I I don't ever sit here and worry about how much money a guy makes or doesn't make. I just I don't want to get him mad because Icky's so goofy. That's why I call him Icky. Um, but you don't want to make him. You don't want to make him mad. And and I did read some comments and, and he, you know, he said all the right things about it's a business and he he wants to focus on winning and he loves playing with the Astros. And everyone seems to love to play for the Astros that's on the team. And so I don't But I mean, that guy's got it. Like, they don't even have any outfielders. Like, how can you I wonder if a team could ever say, um, I know what they said, but we're gonna give it to him anyway. I mean, it's like we're not talking about what two million dollars. Like I think he wanted seven, and they gave him five something. Well, I think the reason they go
2: <gasps> to arbitration is the team they're not reaching well, agreement. Right. Just give it right? to him. But why not?
1: I don't understand that. Like why mess with Icky, of all people business, right now?
2: Business guys. Like they
1: need an outfield. Well, they don't do, have any outfielders.
2: To to give the business side boring like Astros answer, it would probably be because. It's all about precedent, and if they give it to him, and like players down the line, they don't want to constantly be raising the amount that they give generically. So, I mean, but yeah, I understand it's it's weird to go to arbitration and say this guy's not as good as he says he is, even though we also think he's amazing because he's our player.
1: Yeah, but and um, I, look, everybody loves Michael Brantley, and I love his sweet left-handed stroke too. And I, for the last two years, I thought it was the last time we were ever going to see him in an Astro uniform. But And they signed him, and I'm like, as long as he's healthy, I'm fine with it. But already they're saying he's not going to be ready for opening day. So, again, sometimes it works out. But it seemed like when they start this, and then it ends up being way longer, kind of like um, this big, large lad that plays for the Pelicans. i so like, every time you start hearing – eh, he's going to be, oh, maybe not. Uh, I'm like, man, Brantley better play. Now, again, I don't. it's not that important that he's there on opening day. If he's there at the end of April and he plays the rest of the year, it's fine. But uh, I just worry about the whole Brantley situation because he is older. He's had several, you know, shoulders are uh, – you wonder how much he's going to be able to play in the outfield and not just limit. That's why we talked last week about them signing jerks and Pro Four. How could they not? They don't have any outfielders. And, and the new GM, who I love, and everything that he's done so far, he came out and made a statement about Drew Gilbert competing. What is he talking about? How could that guy – now, every once in a while, you get a college guy within the first year or so of him being drafted is ready for the major leagues, but you can't count on that guy competing for the job. I mean, is he playing some sort of mental game with Rand? I don't – no. No. All right, we'll take a – it's a hammock season. Remember that. I'm going to – you're going to have to keep reminding me of that. We'll take a timeout and be back.
0: This is Footnotes on the Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the Game's YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to Footnose, Kevin Foot. The game hotline is 337 706 0111. 706 0111. All right. I don't really plan on talking about the World Baseball Classic and baseball that long, but it is spring training has begun, and so it's uh, certainly here. Uh, one thing we haven't discussed yet is basketball. The You know, on this show, we've been worried about that James Madison game for about three weeks. Uh, And I got to tell you, I watched the game, and they did lose, but I didn't feel as badly after the game as I thought I would kind of feel about where they are. Early on, they were tied at the half, and then they, you know, all of a sudden they're down eight. I don't know if it got to ten, but it got to eight. They were eight down. And I'm like, uh-oh, here they go again with another bad second half. That would have been their fourth straight bad second half. And I guess technically you could say it was in that they were tied at the half and they lost. But I, I don't really think it was that bad of a second half at all. They, you know, they got a little unlucky. Uh, I wasn't real thrilled with the officiating in the second half at all. Um, but they. After falling down eight, they had a nice little run. It's been good to see Jalen Dalcour over the last two or three games after being – I'm not saying he did everything perfect. Cat needs to make a layup. Like, how many missed layups is that? I'm talking about at the basket. Use the backboard. Stop trying to put the ball in. Just either dunk it or use the backboard. And he's got some ups for a guard. But, like, he's missed way too many free throws. See, I'm one – if someone goes to the line and they should make the shot, if even if they get fouled, it's like, make the shot. Like, he, he's missed way too many layups lately, Jalen. Way too many. Yeah, and, I mean, you could finish what you were going to
2: say about the game before I go, but, I mean, I wasn't nearly as concerned. I agree with you.
1: Um, it, I mean, Dion. they did – I mean, Dion. Jordan, they did a great job of kind of taking him out in the second half. And look, the bottom line is some guy named Morse who hadn't really been doing a whole lot, you know, was on fire and scored 24 points. I guess that would be like – it would have been like if Jalen just out of the blue scored 24 points in that game. It sounded like that – similar types of a guy that's been a big part of their pretty big part of their team but had been kind of slumping and then and he scored what 11 or 13 but it was like this cat scored 24 and he couldn't miss down the stretch
2: yeah that was the that was my big takeaway so i talked last week about being kind of concerned about the big guards the six four guards three of them that play regularly they weren't a factor at all it was the six foot guy who yeah was a starter for most of the year And, look, I mean, I don't follow JMU as closely as UL or anything, so I don't know if he was hurt. He never missed a game, but he was down to, like, 11, 12 minutes a game. Hadn't scored more than three points in three of his last four games. Like, hasn't been doing anything and has been benched, basically. Was basically benched. Right. He comes back in the starting lineup and, and has, like, the best game of his season. So, yeah, that was weird. Now, I will say, it's been a whole bunch of games in a row against UL where guys who don't do anything start doing things against them, and it's like, eventually, maybe that's something about the way you're defending these guys, you still have to defend them even though they haven't gone off. Like the guy for Troy who just had 25 points, who's a 25% three-point shooter, he made five of seven. Now, when it's three-point shots like that, I mean, there was a reason they weren't defending him on the three-point line because he's a bad shooter. So they were, like, trying to let him shoot, and he just kept making them. But Right.
1: But I think a lot of that is you go into a game and you identify one or two guys that you try to take off, and they've done, for the most part, you know, some of that, I guess you could say you're a little unlucky with, with guys who are like, Fifth, sixth, seventh on your, you know, your defensive strategies, uh, target standpoint. Step up and do well. And at that point, you know, you just kind of shake their hand and say, "Good game." I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do. Now, it was interesting in that game in the second half when Mike Thomas came into the game. Was about when they Cages went on a a 0 and a thirteen-two run there. So when they went on that, Mike Thomas was in the game, and they. But they went a long time without using Themis. Now that might have been a matchup situation. It might have been. Well, Mike's in the game, and we're going good, so let's keep it. But the, the, when they when they finally brought Themis back, like the, there was no flow to the offense right there.
2: Yeah, I would I would agree with. that. It's been an interesting kind of um, situation this year, just because Mike and Themis they don't ever play them together. Which I'm not saying they should, but it is kind of interesting. Like, at times this year, Mike has played well enough to, like, have been in there down the stretch. But just because of the way that they do their rotation, since they have so many guards, they don't ever play them together. So, Mike, when Themis comes back into close games, like, Mike sits. And so, that's almost something like if Themis is to miss any time, hopefully he doesn't, but if he gets hurt at some point, how's Mike going to react to, like, all of a sudden being the guy in crunch time? I think it'll be interesting. Now, he played a lot even last year in the tournament. Like, he was playing a lot of point guards, so that's it. I thought, yeah, the officiating, it wasn't, like, egregious, but I thought Jordan Brown was officiated a little unfairly there. For him to have fouled out when he did, and the play he fouled out on, I get it was, like, kind of a push-off, but, like, it was a flop as well. And I thought there were a couple of fouls here and there where it's like, you you know, you talk about officiating, sometimes you can call fouls on another guy if you know it's, like, the star player who's got a few fouls already, and you'll see officials do that. Like, they'll call the foul on the help defender to help the guy out. They didn't do any of that. Jordan Brown got called for every foul that he was remotely in the area of. And you lost him at the end, so that was tough because he actually played pretty well. Free throw shooting is still an issue. We had a good
1: first half, oh, again.
2: I, That's a concern there. That's uh, kind of the difference in the game, if you look at it. They go down, they're minus four at the eight line. It's
1: more free throws. And, and, and I know when, when we asked Coach Marlin that about maybe two weeks ago on the show, like, I asked him if, if he thinks we're making too big a deal of the free throw shooting, and he emphatically said yes. I don't know. I You know, I I understand coaches hate turnovers, and I don't like turnovers either, but I think turnovers is more of a game-to-game thing. That can change. Um, But <coughs> missed free throws, I mean, some of that has to do with who's at the line. I get that, but... For both of these teams, the men and the women, I mean, they, they just missed way too many free throws. Now, the women shot them great in the second half in Jonesboro and almost got them back in the game. But they, they couldn't make any shots. Like, that was almost one of the great comebacks, and we don't have time to get into in program history. They were down 31-4. to 31-4. to They were down 27 early and 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 they could have won the game had they made any shots. Like they just could not make a shot. I mean, they missed layup after layup after layup, short jumper after short jumper. It was unbelievable. They they just could not make any shots. Now they made all their free throws down the stretch, which was nice to see. But you got to make some. Sh- they make a steal and they just botch an easy shot. They almost came back from a thirty-one to four deficit, but. The Cajun men don't want to face South Alabama, in my opinion, in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. The Cajun women do not want to face Arkansas State in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. That Those are the two wild cards to me that you don't want to mess with. You don't want to face them in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. We'll see how it plays out. We'll take a timeout and be back.
0: This is Footnotes on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Kevin Foote. An award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor—a medicine season of a different
1: strand—in twelve, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict
0: them with with the the host bounty game silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. Not a
1: normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. This out of
0: the blue from Timbuktu and all of this Bounty Gate ceiling. Dr. Foot is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team. Here with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 706 706-0-1-1-1, 706-0111. I know there are people out there who are maybe big college football fans and or big college basketball fans, and you've never really maybe gotten into baseball or softball. But one of the things that's so cool about baseball and softball at the collegiate level that's different from those other two sports is is you get access quite often to top 10, top 20 teams without having to always travel to those teams. And sometimes you do. I get it. But you play these tournaments like the Cajuns did, UCLA and Florida State and Oklahoma State on neutral sites. You don't really get that a whole lot in the other sports sports. And you get cool matchups like today in Lake Charles. Washington, ranked number 12th in the country from the Pac-12, is I guess playing down south because of the weather. And they're going to play McNeese on the road. And again, McNeese is a team last year that had some NCAA regional success. And they've beaten top 25 teams before, including the Cajuns. And the Cajuns, I think, play them three. You know, we're talking about the Cajun schedule. And everybody's talking about the teams they played this weekend, and they still got to play LSU a couple times, and Texas a couple times, and Florida a couple times. They also got to play McNeese three times. I mean, those are – even if McNeese is not, like, at that top 25 level, maybe, they have always been a problem for the Cajuns. And they,
2: beat, they beat a top 25 team um, just last weekend, just a couple days ago. In so North yeah.
1: Texas, yeah, a team the Cajuns have played over the years – uh, in tournaments in recent history. So, yeah, it. I, I just think that's that's one of the cool things about baseball and softball. Is some of them still do the, you know, I'm an SEC team or a Pac-12 team or whatever, and I'm never going to go on the road and all that. But you still get an opportunity to face top teams, and sometimes even at home.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool. And, like, yeah, even in basketball you have some of those tournaments, but, like, only the elite teams get invited to the elite tournaments. Like, only the, you know— And I guess maybe we're spoiled because UL kind of is considered a blue blood program in softball. But like, you know, UL, for instance, played in like the Asheville basketball tournament with some other pretty small schools. Whereas in softball, here you go. You got, you know, the biggest tournament of the year. But did you see, I did want to bring it up while we had a minute. Uh, Texas State, of course, was one of the Sunbelt regular season title last year, hosted a regional, (laughs) was really good. Did you see what they did this weekend? I did not. They scored fifty six runs in three games against Northwestern out of the Big Ten. Northwestern not a great baseball program, but a Big Ten Power 5s quote unquote team. They scored twelve on Friday, twenty four on Saturday, and twenty on Sunday.
1: Well, Texas can hit, no question. And you know, Coach Daggs said something at the baseball media day that I don't know that I I don't I'm, I don't know that I thought it. <clears throat> and I don't know that is fact, but when he said it, I was like, what? And then I started thinking about, it, you know, he might be right. He said that there was a the the run at the end of the season might have been the best four-game run in the history of UL baseball. And, you know, they beat South Al, which is a good win, not a great win, but it still was a good win. And then they beat Texas State what is a which was a great win. Like it took a fluke for Texas State not to to beat Stanford. Um and, and then Georgia Southern team had an RPI in, like, the top 10. Now, I don't know. if I mean, Georgia Southern was not a top 10 team. But still, they were very good, and they had an RPI at that level. And then beat TCU, who won the Big 12. So, regular season. So, that was a pretty good run. But, no, to your point, Texas State, no, they can really hit. They can really hit.
2: And they brought back so the, their pitching staff depth was their issue, but they brought back the aces and the closer. They have the two guys and the closer. So if they did anything to shore up their pitching depth, which I imagine they tried to, they're going to be a real problem again in the summer. Oh no,
1: Texas State is good. There, there's no arguing that, and it's tough to. Um, it, it, it's tough to get the, those guys out, and the, you know, again, it, it it was a fluky thing. Uh, when they didn't advance even further last year. But, no, they are legitimately, you know, as can hit with just about anybody. And so, no, Sunbelt baseball is at a higher level than any of the other sports.
2: Could very well get five or six teams if everything goes right in the tournament this year.
1: Yeah, it's not, you know, I think they finished, what, fifth or sixth last year in in in, in conference RPI. So it's it's legitimately good. That's it for the first hour, another hour to follow. Stay tuned.
0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot.
1: Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline, 706-0111. 337 706 111 You can watch us Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. On this Monday, once again, we will not have show tomorrow for Mardi Gras. And um all the years I've been doing this, I I, I think it's a good decision because I just noticed that, you know, people are just out of routine especially, you know, our Mardi Gras season right now and it's just it's just the way it is. But, you know, whether it's Good Friday or Mardi Gras or, th- or days like that, not big days for radio I've noticed over the years, so good decision by the bosses and hopefully y'all can enjoy a safe Mardi Gras holiday tomorrow. We do have an hour left and again, we've talked basketball, we've talked baseball, uh, college and major leagues and softball. There are there you know there are a lot of uh, postseason girls basketball going on today. We find out the boys basketball playoff brackets. The regular season is over for high school basketball, and today we'll find out the boys brackets. Well, the girls are into the second round, and there are sixteen girl Acadiana area girls basketball teams that have survived the first round and are playing in the second round and seven of them are at home. And so if you don't really, if you're not a maybe go to Mardi Gras parade kind of a person and at least on the Monday um, and you would like to say, well, I wonder what games there are to see. There is one afternoon game and I'm, you know, the NBA does this like on MLK day and, and like, Maybe was it what other day would that be? It seemed like I they, they've played day games on when Monday's a holiday before, and um, Northside is doing that. Northside's girls are playing a, a three o'clock game today against Bolton. So um, we'll see how they do. And the rest of the games are all about six o'clock tonight. We've got uh, a couple, you know, a lot of a lot of teams are on, nine teams are on the road. We've got Abbeville at number one, Wassman and Monroe at 6 o'clock tonight. Church Point at number eight, Bastrop at 6 o'clock tonight. Northwest is at number three, Bruley at 6. Jennings is at number six, seeded North Vermillion tonight at 6. And number 10, Iota in the Division II. Uh, non-select pairings uh, at number seven West Feliciana, and so the point there is you got a lot of teams playing on the road against higher seeds. Those are the ones that are tough. Midland, the number four seed in Division Five, is hosting Pitkin tonight. Uh, on the select side, we've got St. Thomas More at home against Alexandria. Acadiana's the ten seed; they are traveling to seven seed Huntington. In Shreveport, and then we've got a parish matchup tonight at Lafayette High, six o'clock. Karen Crow, the 15 seed, traveling to Lafayette High, the 10 seed, and Lafayette High is a much better team than that. And so we, it'll be. Um, no, that 10 seed thing is wrong. They're not the 10 seed, but anyway, uh, I believe they're the 2 seed. But anyway, La- Karen Crow is playing Lafayette High and Lafayette High is one of the favorites to win a state championship in that bracket, so we'll see how, how that plays out. Speaking of heavy favorites, Lafayette Christian, the one seed is is hosting uh, Edie White at 6 o'clock tonight. David Thibodeau. You know, one of the things that we've seen in the different sports, and I think it's a lesson, it's something that we say a lot, but a lot of people don't really believe it or believe or, it. Or, or, have it play out. Is some of these teams that are playing in what you would quote unquote powerhouse districts, their record is not necessarily pretty, but we've seen that it actually has raised their level of play. Obviously the most obvious example of that is like North in football. North in football was in the same district with you know Westgate, and STM, and Turlings, Lafayette Christian and all these powerhouse teams. And you said, "Well, they're you know they're the sacrificial lambs." And in terms of the district play, they were. But when they got in the playoffs after playing that schedule, they advanced. They won two playoff rounds because they played teams that didn't play that kind of schedule. And you know, here we are with David Thibodeau. You know, they're in the same district with STM, who's really high, and Lafayette Christian, who's really high, and they've uh, they won on the road. So they're playing. Number eight, Hannon. Now, in a lot of sports and in a lot of years, if you're a 24 seed and you win, you get to host, but they don't do that uh, currently in, in girls' basketball. So David Thibodeau's on the road at eight seed, Hannon. I've already mentioned Northside, a 5 seed hosting Bolton at 3 o'clock today. 13 seed at Turlings is going to number four. Peabody in Division IV. St. Edmund of Eunice is the 13th seed at number four, Washita Christian. And then another Acadiana area versus Acadiana area battle. Number 14, Westminster Christian will travel to New Iberia to face the third seeded Highland Baptist uh, at six o'clock tonight. And the only other team that's, not, that's alive that's not playing today is J.S. Clark, the three seed. They're scheduled to play number six of Oils Charter on Thursday. So, we again, we've got 16 Acadiana area girls basketball teams. And so there are some high school playoff action tonight if you would like to go see that. It is, um, for most of my life, working in the area media, it did not fall. I think it's a great thing so often around Mardi Gras for years and years and years. The boys would be playing either in the last week of the regular season or a playoff game um, on Mardi Gras. And so I love the way it's fall where the brackets come out today and no one plays till Friday for the most part. I guess a few teams play Thursday. But just to stay away from that whole Mardi Gras thing, it's just not good playing on Mardi Gras. I, I understand you may not even like it. You may not, I mean, Mardi Gras. So it may not even impact you. But what happens is you have people who, let's be honest, they go get liquored up at parades, and then they go to a high school basketball game. Not a good thing. It's just not a good plan. And it, it's, it. I'm just very glad that it fell the way that it did and, and that uh, most of the girls, if not all of them, are playing tonight and, There are no playoff basketball games tomorrow.
2: Yeah, I just, since you were talking about the brackets, I had to look it up. My fighting Yellow Jackets of Haynes Academy fell to Turlings, actually, in the first round. They did. So, I guess I'll root for Turlings from here on out.
1: (laughs) So, but no, it it works out good, and, you know, I can remember... Probably Jalen Dalcourt was still playing. I can remember Lafayette High two or three years ago, went on the road, played a really good team, lost about one point at the very end on Mardi Gras Day in New Orleans. You just don't – it's just best that, that – I don't know calendar-wise how many times it's going to fall this way, but I, I, I'm, I'm glad the way that, that that it fell this week. So we'll find out the boys' brackets. and I think overall basketball is not as powerful around here as it's been at times. Obviously, you've got a couple teams like Lafayette High and uh, Lafayette Christian have an excellent chance of, of winning. I, You know, if you have heard that list that I just ran down, got a lot of lower seeds from the area going on the road. So, you know, maybe a couple of them will pull off upsets. But the vast majority of the time when you travel on the road as a lower seed in the playoffs, you get beat. So we'll see how many teams are left. And I don't know how many boys teams that we're going to have. St. Thomas Moore's, is obviously – always a contender to play for the state championship and um I don't know how many others will be doing that we'll see how the brackets come out and 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 and, and how they look you'll want to stay it's pretty much it's it's foolproof you want to stay away from the 16 17 if if you're not a really high seed you want to be seated. 10, 11, 12, or like 20, 21, 22. That way you stay away from the you know, the top seeds. Now, every once in a while, you'll have the best teams, really the four seed or the five seed, and that's just kind of unlucky. But for the most part, if you stay in that 10, 11, 12, uh, 21, 22, 23 range, you stay away from the elite teams most of the time, and that's what you want to do, and we'll see how. You know all of that plays out. We also have uh, soccer teams playing. St. Thomas More boys and girls will be playing for the state championship later this week in Hammond. They're both defending champions and they're and they're back. And those are the only two acadiana area teams that survived until the finals. And that you know they we interviewed Coach Underwood on the girls' side a couple weeks ago. And again, they're just a machine. I mean, they you know they win their 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 semifinal game was seven to nothing. I mean, you know, it, they just destroy everybody. Now on the boys' side, it was very different. Uh, St. Thomas More boys, congratulations to them. They beat Rumble one to nothing on Saturday, and to advance to the final as a defending state champion. So we'll see how uh, if they can both bring home state championships again. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. We haven't talked a lot about high school basketball or soccer at all. But I wanted to – we are deep into the playoffs now, and so I wanted to to mention that and give you some options. If you were maybe looking for a game to go watch, you could maybe uh, do so tonight. Um, again, the schedule is very a little different this week. The Sunbelt Conference plays Wednesday, Friday. Baseball opens its home season on Wednesday against BYU who's playing in Rustin so they're obviously making like they're not just coming to Lafayette and going back to Utah they you know they're playing in Rustin tonight so we'll see how that plays out and the softball team is still in Florida uh even though they're no longer technically playing in the Clearwater Invitational they're playing at UCF tomorrow and so we'll see how you know, how much left they have there. I mean, that had to be an exhausting weekend. They didn't just play good teams, but, you know, the last – on Saturday and Sunday they played two games each day. So – and these were not short games. I mean – well, a couple of them were run rules, but, you know, a lot of pitches, a lot of pitchers being used, a lot of, you know, maneuvering and in and out and – Um. And some emotion up and down. But, you know, I've noticed that. I think the girls handle that stuff way better than fans and coaches do. Like, I don't – I think, yeah, they get emotional and fired up. But I think they get over losses a whole lot quicker than 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 the really big fans and, and, and the coaching staff does. And that's probably a good thing. You know, they, they they're more looking towards the future. And, again, it's early on. In the season, so it, it makes sense that you know you don't want to act like the season's over. It's just started, and you lost to really good teams, and that doesn't hurt you down the road. It only helps you as long as you beat who you're supposed to beat down the road. All right, we'll take a time out. Be back
0: this is footnotes on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros do you ever wonder what kind of coach foot would have been when they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues you catch the ball that's the way that works yeah he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them Back to footnotes on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. If you would like to get in, any impressions you have for the beginning of the LSU baseball season, the UL baseball season, the Cajun softball. We've talked a little bit about McNeese and what they did over the weekend and the big game they've got today hosting number 12 Washington. So any of the Diamond Sports talk. College basketball. McNeese did not win, but again, that was not Corpus Christi was not one of the teams you were thinking that they were going that, that they were going to win. I mean, it would have been great. So it's not a, a total loss there, and so we'll see what happens. Um, the Cajun men and women we talked about in basketball loss on Saturday. The JMU loss for the men was kind of expected or or feared by a lot of people. I think most people kind of looked at the UL matchup at Arkansas State as a W, and I was worried because, one, I saw the first game, and it was, you know, they won 49-48 in overtime and looked terrible against them. Um, And if you listen to Coach Broadhead, he just has a mental hang-up with playing in Jonesboro. He just does. I mean, they just – he just has too many – You know, some people think history doesn't impact performances. I think you're just foolish. Um, You know, they just don't have a history of playing there. And they have a history of the other team just going off against them. And uh, they did not win that game. Now, the good thing going into this week, not everyone, but the majority of the teams that on the men and women's side that are ahead of the Cajuns – or not? They're playing theoretically really good competition, you know. You know, like Marshall is 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 ahead of the Cajuns now. They play JMU, so if you're a Cajun fan, who do you want to win that game?
2: Doesn't really matter, as as long as you handle your business. Which, like I, I mentioned briefly on RP three, uh, as long as you win your last two games you're guaranteed at least the three seed because of the way it works out because either Marshall loses and you go into a tiebreaker with them, which you beat them head-to-head, you have that, or if JMU wins that game and, and are... Yeah, if JMU loses to Marshall, then you're ahead of JMU anyway by record. So no matter what, you will be the three seed if you win at least the three seed, maybe the two seed, depending on other things, if you win out and handle your business, which you should do. So Well, I don't know about should do. I mean, I'm telling you, South Alabama, I know, something, but at your place... Yeah, you should beat them.
1: You know, the the, the thing now, I got to give them credit because when they started that, and Bob's always been big on winning home games, um, and he's right. um, But when they started that at the beginning of the year, going undefeated at home, I was like, that's not happening. My first response was, that's not happening. And here they are, two games left. I mean, it could actually happen. So I got to give him credit for that. uh, I'm just – South Alabama, you know, South Alabama, we've been saying it through the whole or most of the conference season. Georgia Southern and South Alabama are both the teams you don't want to face that are not seated in that top four or five. Um, That could be a really good game. I still say the best game of the year in terms of just a basketball game and conference play, was the South Alabama win in Mobile. And I, I expect it to be a really good game. And the the cool thing is going into Friday's game, especially if they win on Wednesday, we'll kind of have a way more specific idea of if they win, this is who they might play, and if they, you know, that kind of thing. So you you want to stay away from Georgia Southern, and South Alabama if at all possible.
2: Well, I you say Georgia Southern, but like I'd probably rather stay away from Old Dominion and Troy than Georgia Southern, to be honest. And and at that point, the way that the way that it's gonna work, since you're gonna get a lot of the bad teams, most, if not all of the bad teams, are gonna be gone by the time UL even plays a game, you're gonna have to play one of those teams, one of that middle tier. Now, what I was and I brought this up a little bit on RP three and it's really interesting to me. Somebody gets to play Monroe in the first round, which like again for a while Monroe was really playing solid, but now they've been they look like they're kinda just defeated. That's a matchup. Like the Cajuns
1: yeah. crush him, but the Southern Mist does not match up with Monroe yeah, for whatever and so,
2: reason. And so that's gonna be interesting though. Like in the same token that someone has to find, someone's gonna play South Alabama in the first round. Someone's gonna play Monroe in the first round. And so but the seeding numbers aren't all gonna tell you who the worst team is in that matchup. Like there's a good chance. So like UL, like There's a chance that they beat South Alabama on Friday, and that sets up them having to play South Alabama again in the tournament, depending on how it works out. (laughs) If
1: that's the way it ends up, that's going to be a tricky deal going into Friday's game.
2: But the thing that you have to remember, too, is you're projecting a long way away at that point because that's still then South Alabama having to win a first-round game against whoever they play. And again, is not going to know how Marshall and them are going to... I mean, there's no scenario in which you're going to lose a game on purpose to set up a matchup. But yeah, there could be a little bit of extra motivation, even if it works out to where it's like, if we win this game, now we know we don't have to play South Alabama in the first round. That might be an extra motivation for you. So,
1: let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning. Good morning.
3: Well, you know, we y'all do know if we beat Arkansas State, we we clinch a top four seed. Uh, y'all do know that. Yeah,
1: right? and again, that's the most important thing. Yes.
3: So after that, to me, it don't matter after that. Now the girls, you know, if the girls win both their games; they're in too.
1: I'll check that out too. And that's they, and that's because all these other teams are kind of playing one another.
3: Exactly, that's yeah.
1: why. So they all they got to do is take. You know, a
3: matter of fact, it's going to sound crazy. Even if they would have beat Arkansas State, they still wouldn't need to win the, these two games to get in. So really, it's really that Arkansas State game didn't matter to them. I know they didn't. They didn't care or know about that, but. If they would have beat Arkansas State, they still would have needed to win these two games. But
1: that makes sense because, you know, if they beat Texas State, they will have swept Texas State. And then Texas State, I think, still has to play. Like, everybody ahead of them has a really tough schedule. Exactly. Yeah.
3: You know, Kevin, go, you remember, like, we were talking about the softball, how uh, I was kind of fearing that these young girls playing these older women in uh, the softball ball, and this short panned out. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that, that catcher from Michigan, she looked like she was 26, 26 or 27 years old, that big girl. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, she looked like she could go play on a roller derby or something, and she was so big. And, then, and, and, and look, she looked mean, too. But, anyway, you know, we were worried about their three, uh, all the aces. Well, we faced three of them. But, all the ones, every time we faced them, boy, they shut us down, too. Maxwell, yes. Well, we, we got a couple of runs on her, but when... That uh, that, uh, that Lesi, whatever her name is, from Island, Arkansas came in. She shut us down. Man, how impressive
1: <laughs> is she? She was she? Impressive looked, to she was impressive. She
3: looked better than Maxwell and Ferram Ferriamo.
1: <sighs> she was she was impressive.
3: <laughs> I mean, I was expecting to think that you know, after seeing them all, I didn't I didn't see Sandercock's pitch. But I mean, I tell you right now, though, out of the three I saw, I think the one from Arkansas looked the best.
1: Yeah, she was impressive.
3: You know the one good thing I could see out of this weekend. Look, this Bob. The only thing I could find how that was good is the way I saw this play this weekend was that the freshman, the pitcher I thought he was gonna red shirt, she looked kind of good. They
1: they like they like her. Uh, that you know they spoke highly of her. So we'll see. The other thing I thought is. You know they 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 would get close and then not score in the last two or three innings. But you saw the offensive potential of this team that sometimes you don't see when you play in tournaments like this. And so I I thought there was plenty of off you 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 could see this team being a really good offensive team by the end of the year. Again, defensively, I don't know. I think the jury is still very much out on the defensive side.
3: And, and another thing too is that Davis would have played with her speed and her, her chaos. She calls him the base bat. I think we've of probably snuck, uh, snuck away with one more win. But that she wasn't there, and that's the way it is. She'll be there at the end of the season. Hope she can make a Hopefully. difference when we get in there and play these good teams because it sure didn't look good this weekend. Have a good one.
1: Take care. <clears throat> no, I, I think the offense overall was satisfactory. Not great, but but satisfactory. And the pitching, again, all of them pitched really well at times, and other times you're like, eh. And um, – been on both sides, men and women's basketball. Missed too many free throws. Softball, baseball. Walked too many people. Have it's you, Just that simple.
2: Have you noticed he's almost seemed hesitant to use Kandra more this to start the year? Have you? Do you? Have you read anything into that, or do you think it's just a matter of having a little more trust in Sam and Megan I, at this point?
1: Again, just listening to way what they said, and some you know, you, sometimes you can read between the lines from these post-game interviews or press conferences and go the wrong way. That I, You know, I've been burned by that. But most of the time, I feel like I read them fairly well. I really think they're thinking is going to be like a closer for this team if you just kind of listen to the way they've talked. You know, they're worried about these awards. You know me. I hate awards. So I don't worry about awards. But I understand players and parents and coaches worry about rewards awards for like recruiting or whatever I don't I don't worry about all that stuff but they when you co- when you publicly comment on awards that means it matters to you if you're gonna publicly comment them so I kind of get the impression that they're that by the end of the year they kind of think Kendra's gonna be like a closer not really she might start some games with injuries or just spot starts, but I think they're kind of grooming her to be a close.
2: Well, you could almost even see that, because she has only started one game, and I think Sam started five and Megan three, yeah. so that does make a little sense. But numbers-wise, she's been your best option, so she's it's done interesting well. that she hasn't pitched as much as the others.
1: The only issue with her is she doesn't field her position. She's gotten better at it, but she's not as good defensively as the other, and in fill- in. You know, pitchers fill in their position. It, it, it's it's just a humongous deal. It gets way overlooked by too many people. But but no, I kind of expect that to happen. I um, Coach Glasgow, I asked him in Monday's presser. I didn't ask it this way, but essentially what I was saying is, it really interchangeable pitchers to catchers. And, and he said, yeah, but you just wonder about that. I, some pitchers like certain catchers to catch for them. And I and, and I, I wonder how that's going to play out as the season goes on. Again, I was all excited about Valdez because they raved about her and she looked great, but she's got to catch the ball. Like you got to – that's part of being a catcher. You got to catch the ball when it's pitched to you. And too many pass balls, in my opinion. Yeah,
2: and you – you kind of worry – we've talked about like it, it's valuable to have Sophie not have to catch all the time, but you wonder if down the stretch if the trust level is just going to
1: make them have to catch Sophie all the time. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that Sophie's even technically a better catcher than Vic. I mean, it's too small a sample size to know any of that. But I don't know. I just think she she just has more maneuverability to me back there. But, again, it's – again – Very small sample size. Um, I think Alexa needs to... to, They did some of that where she played second instead of short. I kind of like that. I just don't like the... Alexa short-arms the ball to me. I I think she needs to be at second and Vasquez be at short. But again, even, you know, they rave about Vasquez, but we haven't quite seen it just yet. So... I do think her throw is more natural at shortstop than than Alexis looks like at shortstop. So I'd, I'd be all for that. We'll take a timeout.
0: Be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. King cake season is here, and break rooms are being filled with those delicious sugar coated pastries. That is so sweet. Just don't be the guy or gal who gets the plastic baby and lies about it. Come on, come on, really. Step up and do the right thing, cheapskate, and buy the next cake. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back. Two footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. Something came up last week, and it we it, were too much going on to really bring it up. So I kind of put it on a shelf, and I guess now's as good a time as any to discuss it. It's very early in this process, but it's possible that one something I've been saying needed to be happen for a long time has a chance of happening, and two. Things could be changing very different. And what I'm talking about is major league, the alignment of Major League Baseball. They're about to expand. I hate expansion. I think expansion is a four letter word. A, in my opinion, one of the thing one of the most under analyzed, misrepresented Thing about the steroid era is that there was expansion. There were expansion teams that played a huge role in the whole steroid era as well. That I don't, I don't think enough people are factored in to it. Uh, I, I, I hate expansion. Now they're talking about adding two teams, however, and. You know, I I thought for a long time that they should just move the Rays because it it just hasn't worked in Tampa. It just doesn't hasn't worked. I mean, they they're good every year. They they're you know they've been in the World Series, they've been in the playoffs, and and they still can't draw at all. So I I, I would I, I said just move them to to Nashville, and it looks like they're gonna put a whole new team in Nashville, an expansion team. So once they expand. Right now, currently, the major leagues have 30 teams, and, and they will, it seems like they're going to expand to 32. Once they do that, there could be some shifting going on. Like, I've complained for years that the Astros and the Rangers... Now, the time that the Astros did spin in the National League Central, they, they that wasn't the case. But for most of my childhood growing up, you know, and into adulthood... Uh, the Astros were in the in the Western Division, and they had to do all that traveling. And then and since they moved to the American League, they've had to do all this traveling. And so, I you know, I I've complained for years that the Cardinals and Royals should have to do some of this traveling. Well, um, I kind of think it's possible now that with this expansion, they could be realignment like. I've even seen some speculation where the Astros could be back with the Cardinals. I've even seen some talk that they would get rid of the of divisions and kind of go back to doing it the way they did you know prior to 1969 with more people making the playoffs like back prior to 1969, there was no playoffs first hundred years of Major League Baseball, you played the regular season and then you went to the World Series, which is why a lot of those Yankee titles are kind of bogus in that they they didn't even have to win any rounds of the playoffs to get there. Uh, You know, obviously it, it was what it was, so they won the titles and they count and I get all that, but in terms of analyzing them, Obviously, many of those times that they got to the World Series, they wouldn't have made it if they had one round, much less two or three rounds to go through like you got to go through now. I mean, look at last year. The Phillies made the World Series as the sixth seed, and that, that wasn't all that unusual. Um, So, like, some people are even suggesting that we don't even have divisions anymore. We just have two leagues, and if you want six teams in or seven teams in, they just go in and you play and – I don't know if I like that. I mean, it's, that seems like it's too far. But at the very least, we could have where, like, the Astros are in the same division with the Cardinals and the Rangers and the Royals, I mean, teams in the central time zone instead of having to go two time zones away. Of course, with all that complaining, the Astros have had success upon success upon success doing that. So, it's, you know, it obviously had not hurt them a whole lot. But to me... For old people like me, it's hard to stay up till midnight, all them games on the West Coast, and I guess that's PA they call that. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy, sir. Sorry
4: to take good. Sorry to take you away from your baseball talk, but I want to go back and talk UL basketball. Okay. And I wanna get your opinion. Um and I and I love Terrence, but I don't feel like he brings the defense the defensive level that he should be playing versus Joe from the crow. Joe, I I feel like, you know, he cuts off the lanes. He, you know, he crashes the boards probably more than most of anybody on the team. I think he's earned his right into either a lot more minutes or even maybe even, you know, starting lineup. And I also don't think that as much hype as Themis has been, been getting, you know, we talk about his, you know, his assist, but look at his assist to turnover ratio. And why is it the real Michael Thomas getting more minutes? I mean, I know he was concussed, but, you know, since Demas joined the team, Mike's minutes have been cut three quarters of what he able to play. And I I do feel he brings some dynamic to the team. So I want to get your thoughts on that. And we've got to get, start flushing the ball. I mean, JB is too big, too strong. To, to be finessing. This it should not be a finesse offense, in my opinion. I mean, other than from the outside with our three point shooting, but he dominates, and yet he, instead of stuffing the ball, flushing it down, a lot of times he's putting up, you know, point guard layups and missing them. You know, so imagine what he would be doing if he would actually be stuffing the ball. And I, I just want to hear what you have to say about that, and I'll hang up and listen.
1: Okay. Um, I don't. I'm not. I don't know that it matters a whole lot. I haven't really studied or looked at how many minutes Joe's played, but I, I gotta believe that in a lot of crunch moments in the second half, Joe's on the court. You know, I I think Terrence and Joe are a perfect complement for each other. I. You know, I think a lot of that needs to depend on. I, I don't think it matters so much who starts and who and who doesn't. Look, Joe's not a good offensive player right now, and so you can only play him so many minutes until he becomes a good offensive player. Um, now he can rebound and he can pass, and he'll knock down a three every once in a while. But like he took a critical three the other night, I thought that and missed it. I. I think Terrence is too consistent offensively in the lane to just totally limit his minutes. I don't have a serious problem with how they're using them
2: right now. Yeah, I would. I would agree with you. Uh, Joe Charles has been playing anywhere from fifteen to twenty five minutes a game, um, and like, yeah, I, and I think Joe Charles probably from a if you're just watching it, yeah, he hits threes and he'll make transition dunks and things like that. But, he, yeah, he's nowhere near the offensive. But Terrence Lewis also does a ton of things well that nobody's ever going to notice that aren't in the box score. Spacing-wise, again, that floater in the lane that he hits, I know that doesn't look like an impressive shot for fans, but that creates so much space. Yeah, incredibly consistent. And it creates space, and he's reliable. Yeah, he's not quite as good a defensive player, but, again, as you mentioned, that's why they rotate him so much. Um, but Lewis, offensively, I think you wouldn't necessarily see it because he's not the one putting the numbers on the box score, but when he's not in the game, it's a lot harder for Jordan Brown to get inside and get his
1: looks, and it's a lot harder to create open looks on the outside. And I do think, I agree with Jeff in that, especially in crunch time, and I think it works out that way, in crunch time, Joe is in the game unless they just, you know, unless for whatever reason they need more offense and less defense, but... I think Joe is critical, and no question. And we've played Joe's contributions up big time, and and we should. I'm okay with that. Now, I think the point guard situation has been fascinating to me all season because once Mike went out, I was like, well, how long is it going to take till Mike's kind of back into the same rhythm he was before? Themis, the thing I appreciate about him so much is he finishes at the goal. Other than Jay Wright at times, so often the Cages had these point guards that even when they penetrated, they never finished. And FEMA's finishes a pretty high percentage. I hate not finishing. And um that's why I made the comments in the first hour. Jalen's got to start finishing when he, go, when, he, when he drives to the basket. I, I do think Themis gets a little too – I think one of the problems Themis has, he gets up in the air with nowhere to throw the ball a little too often and he ends up throwing it away. But a lot of times he makes incredible passes in that scenario too. So I, I, I think it is trickier. I think the whole point guard thing is trickier than the Joe Terrant situation.
2: Yeah, I don't want to say don't read into the turnovers because it is a factor, and that is probably the biggest weakness of Themis's game right now. But when you're looking at the volume of numbers, he turns the ball over a lot because he handles the basketball for 20 out of the 30 seconds every possession. So yes. he's going to turn the ball over more. I'm not saying Michael Thomas would turn it over as much if he had as much of opportunity, but yeah, I think that's to give and the take of a guy who's going to handle the ball that much. He still definitely could be better with it, but... This team as a whole has turned the ball over much less than some of the previous UL teams that had a big problem at that position.
1: Yes, I think he's definitely helped in that, and and he also has helped in finishing. You know, the Jordan thing, I think some teams just defend Jordan well and other teams defend him terribly. I, I think part of the problem is early on, you know, I wish that Contrell would get more shots, but I think fewer teams are just collapsing like they were in the second round that they did in the first round and leaving Contrell wide open. And so he's he's not getting as many wide open looks, and that's why his production is kind of going down, which is not good. And I will
2: say this one thing I've noticed more and more the difference. Contrell is a great shooter when he's wide open. He's not a great shooter when it's contested. Dalcourt is a guy who maybe doesn't make all the wide open ones, but he can make the contested three. So I agree. That could be a thing with Dalcourt. you got to get him going, and it was a great sign at JMU because down the stretch, if teams start to play like
1: that, he might be the guy who gets more looks. No, I think those are fascinating issues that that, that Jeff brought up. And, again, I I struggle. I'm comfortable with the power forward. I don't know the answer. I don't – the whole point guard thing is kind of – I've been try- I've been noticing that as well and 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 don't really not really heavily convicted one way or the other on that. We're overdue for a timeout. We'll take it and be back.
0: This is footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros here on footnotes you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear but you will hear what you need and of course i got all these oh
1: you're
4: an idiot
1: you know what kind of safe fan are you look i'm not telling you what i want to happen i'm telling you what's gonna happen what more than likely
0: is going to happen Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to. With footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Southwest Louisiana's Louisiana's Sports sports station.
1: Welcome back to footnotes. Every once in a while, I think it's good to give the history behind those little promos. That one that we just played, where i said um i'm I'm not telling you what I want to happen that was that was two thousand six two thousand seven, and if you remember the first year of Peyton and Bree Saints won made it to the n f c championship game. they finally got a break, they won ten games and with the two seed. You don't get that very often um and they won the playoff game. 27-24 over the Eagles and then got beat by the Bears. And so there was all kind of excitement going into the next season. And I said, folks, this is going to be a medicine season. I, I I mean, I don't want it to happen, but I'm just telling y'all, it's going to be a medicine. Ah! And we had just we had just kind of – I was at the advertiser then, like I was for 30-something years, and we had just kind of started joining with uh, forces with the other Gannett cities like Shreveport and Alexandria and Monroe and they had a lot of saints fans there. And they, you know, most people don't understand medicine seasons. It's kind of above them. And, and, uh, and so they were all angry when I wrote that column. I'm like, look, and of course it was a medicine season. (laughs) They started out 0-4. Uh, and again, I didn't want it. I'm just saying, I just knew that's what the reality was it was a medicine season. And, uh, and then they had 2 years where they just kind of floundered and floundered around and tried to figure it out and then and then they won the Super Bowl. So it was that that was great. But I just say every once in a while when we play those it's it's good to give the history behind that that example that we're playing and that's what that that's what that was all about. Um so again, no show tomorrow, but it's still a busy week. I mean, we've got all this high school stuff that we talked about. We've got baseball opening up The first home series of the year on Wednesday, a four-game series against BYU. We've got baseball, I mean basketball, Wednesday and Friday. So we'll have lots to talk about the rest of the week once we get back, for sure. And uh, you know, I guess there's a chance we'll get some update from the Saints, but I don't really think so. It's gonna be a long way to march, like a long, a long, painful, agonite. Let's just hope that. Let's just hope that when Derek Carr, you know, his experiences in New York, are a turnoff for him. I, he doesn't seem like a New York kind of guy, but I guess you never really know. Let's hope it's a real turnoff. Let's hope that. Uh, I don't know. I still say, and I asked you off the rent, like the Colts have to do something. Like, what are the Colts gonna do?
2: They need a quarterback. There's a lot of team. Carolina's got to make a decision. Tampa's got to make a decision. It's still the Saints are not the only domino that's going to fall here. And if they do get Derek Carr, then that will set a lot of other things in motion. But if they don't get Derek Carr, that will also set a lot of things in motion. And Carr, I think, is probably the one that a lot of teams are waiting on to see because who knows how many offers he has. But he's the clear-cut obvious, which, again, he's also the guy who can make a deal before free agency happens. Yes, so, Whenever he makes his decision, whether it's this week or next week or, you know, whenever it is, he's going to probably kind of set the the market and kind of let these other teams figure out where they need to go. So he will be the one that kind of stirs the pot a little bit.
1: We're all talking the Arnolds and the Jets, but, man, I could see him going to the Colts before he goes to those teams other than the Saints. So we'll see. No show tomorrow. You'll have a nice, safe Mardi Gras holiday.